0: what's up welcome to a new episode of the movie schmovie this is episode number 358 my name is steve i'm one of the co-hosts of the show and as always i'm joined by Rob and john guys how you doing good Good, good 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 i'm good. i'm
1: doing great and i want you guys to know the listeners already know this that the intro theme of this week's episode is not the usual theme the intro theme is red river rock by silicone teens from the uh, planes trains and automobiles soundtrack um just because you know you got you got to you got to take that one out and drive it around in in the open air every yeah. so often <laughs> yeah. great
2: song yeah so uh how are we feeling today? We good. We good. Roll it into that
1: Thanksgiving feeling. Yeah, this yeah. is a this is a this is a Thanksgiving week record for us. People that are listening to this, maybe we'll put this out early. Should we put this out on Thanksgiving instead of uh, on Friday, just to have it? I love it. I, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Boom. But this is Tuesday, so you guys are hearing us fresh. Like we're actually all about to be doing some version of dealing with the holiday and and having a little bit of time away from a certain one kind of stress to deal with maybe another kind of stress oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah but yeah Yeah, this reminds me of the old episodes we used to do a lot rolling into thanksgiving and christmas it always felt like this show had a kind of it was one of my holiday high holiday high points usually when we would kind of get together for that like last time we were going to see each other before the holiday or something yeah yeah Yeah. you know we should all be raising a glass right now (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's the razor glass sound. Um it sounded like yeah, blue from blues clues. It did. I, I heard it as I said it. <laughs> Speaking of, there's a the movies out. I didn't see it, but I don't know. The the what is it? Blues big city thing or whatever. I thought it was called but, Blues booze Cruise. Oh, is that oh wow. I yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking of a different one, but uh that sounds fun. Yeah. Um yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good week. I mean, you know, the normal stressors of just kind of funneling everything into that that big family event you know whatever version of it we're all having uh this week but uh it seems like it's going to be maybe like one of the better uh versions of it over the past few years hopefully um you know for all of us yeah. oh you mean getting um, back to the, the some the, sort of the yeah, OG vibe know, yeah some right. some sort of yeah just uh just to you know maybe feel a little better about it at least personally speaking we've had a very altered version of it the past few years especially having like a newborn you know basically having a covid baby you know the first year of uh the pandemic uh that first year was uh, very odd you know we didn't do anything because he was born you know 2 weeks before thanksgiving um, um yeah it was a uh, interesting uh but yeah it's kind of you know opened up a little bit we we're still very you know cautious about certain things like we've discussed um on and off the podcast but yeah, it feels nice to, you know, look forward to this a little bit more each year as we've kind of navigated this. And um, yeah, it's always nice to see all the family members again,
1: yeah. at, least, at least most of them. Uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> you know who you are.
1: Um, they do. They definitely do. Yeah,
0: they do. Um, yeah, but uh, this will be a fun episode. We're going to do a little little news at the top. Um, some very uh, happy news. Something I'm I'm personally thankful for. Ooh. Um, and then uh, we'll get in the required viewing, and then we'll, you know we'll get into some other specials towards the end of the episode, um, that we have planned. But yeah, so again, like John said, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Um, the other night, literally on a Sunday night, um, big news out of the whole Disney, Walt Disney Company. Um, it's kind of been brewing for a bit, but uh, Bob Chapek uh, was replaced by. He's out. replaced by Bob Iger He's in. Bob's just moving around here um, and uh, yeah and kind of the news cycle blew up on a Sunday night it looked like mm. um, which yeah I mean this is like this feels like it's been kind of rumored for a while and there's been reports of Bob Iger kind of being in meetings that he really had no business being in as a you know retired former CEO or whatever you want to call him um, and Chapik's been under fire for all of the, you know, missing earnings on the recent call. And, you know, the Florida, you know, the whole Florida incident with the Don't C- don't Say Gay Bill. And I'm um, handling Disney Plus and the way some of these movies have been released, whatever it might be. But Disney is kind of in a bad spot right now, uh, which is like a weird sentence to say, because um, they, they kind of seem bulletproof for a while. But they've taken some hits recently and, uh, yeah, they pulled the trigger and. Bob Iger's back for at least two years. I think that's the contract he's won. But I mean, I guess it sounds like he's supposed to be selecting and grooming uh, another replacement in that time. But uh, we'll see. I mean, it seems like the sentiment around it's been pretty positive. I know, like I said, it's just, this is great for me to hear. I always liked Bob Iger, at least his run as CEO. At Disney, which is a company I love, um, and did not like Bob Chapek whatsoever, Jacob whatsoever. Um, but are you are you a stockholder by any chance?
1: I am. I'm just, yeah. Okay. Are yeah. you Ronald?
2: I want to be.
1: Okay. See, because this news has made so many people so happy, and I've been like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm glad to hear they, that a guy who might have a sure hand and you know whatever, because yeah. you you can blame a lot of the kind of. There's a lot that's been happening to make some of those those uh, huge properties and franchises seem like they're kind of uh, waffling in recent years, uh, like right. casting about. Uh, it's you know I don't know how much this kind of leadership really affects what I care about, which is the movies themselves. Yeah. So I've been tr- I've been kind of trying to read that excitement and like figure out is this almost like a shareholders' excitement. Or is this maybe a belief in Disney as a company and wanting Disney to have have a little bit more of a of a sure hand behind it beyond the the financial aspect of it? But I, but I didn't know, like, does this have anything to do with anything creative? And it seems to me like probably not, uh, you know, the. Kevin Feige has kind of been the Bob Iger of the Marvel thing. Yeah. And Kathleen Kennedy is kind of the Bob Iger of the Star Wars thing. If you look at your little kingdoms under the Disney Kingdom, it's more about how the whole thing is managed, right? And maybe yeah, even right. it's more about people's confidence going forward in the in the product and on that corporate level. Um, but I don't know. I guess I'm kind of wondering what would be different if Bob Iger had been around the last couple of years. Is it just a uh, is it just a mood thing <laughs> or, or is it some de- decision making that he actually would be capable of that would have would have helped the company out? Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just yeah. spitballing. Yeah. My, but.
2: my understanding on top of the movie stuff is the park stuff seems mm-hmm. to be the stuff that I hear about the most kind of the nickel and diamond that's happened over the past couple of years. The park passes that have kind of changed uh their value like things don't work the way they used to a pass used to take you to certain rides and now it doesn't now you have to do stuff through it I've, I've heard that's one of the main things um that's well that's a huge thing especially if you go often like if you have like a yearly trip by yearly trip and your experience is completely altered from the experience that you've known for the past five or six years well maybe more than that you know let's say 10 years right I mean there are things like that. That seems to be the 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 glaring thing, like the biggest thing aside from the movie stuff. So he's a nickel and dahmer. You know, you've kind of hear it in the 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 calls. You know, it's it's an emphasis on, you know, kind of tightening things up and making things work and you know reorganizing and things like that. So that's that's what I've heard. Uh, now the movie stuff, come on. Do, I mean, is that is that the elephant in the room? There's, there's been a shift. There's been a shift. I mean, that's... Disney Plus was Bob Iger's baby and what we're seeing is somebody, a service and then a bastardization of a service after it fell into the hands of somebody else. So... I mean,
0: you but, know... But I mean, in
1: what way? I mean, I guess I, I'm trying to pinpoint what has Bob Shepak been responsible for that Bob Iger wouldn't have let happen on that creative side, you know? I think the
2: whole... Fa- oh, go ahead, Steve, I'm gonna let you...
1: I, I was gonna say that the, the main thing that he did was
0: kind of restructure the entire organization in terms of how how content is funneled. So, like, mm. they kind of redid mm. everything. They broke apart... They broke apart the film and television and... You know, Disney Channel, like they used to have that all compartmentalized. um, And they kind of funneled it all underneath the Kareem Daniels, who was like the, I I forget what the proper title that he had was, where like he was the one and his department was kind of basically deciding where each property was going, whether it was to the, the Lanier Channel or the Disney Plus service or theatrical or whatever it might be. And that's kind of where a lot of criticism started was because like that kind of oversight. In terms of what's right for each of those outlets, from a person who didn't seem to maybe be, there was question about qualifications to have that role to be able to decide mm-hmm. where these properties were going to be premiering on which Disney Avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was always something that was criticized. Kind of how he restructured the organization and and day day one of day two of of Iger coming back. Kareem Daniels is, was let go like that. That's gone. He's gone. Um, And he's, and he's kind of changed who is overseeing park experiences. Like Ronna was saying Um, there, there's a whole restructuring happening again in this next coming week or two. I'm sure there'll be more announcements, but I think what he's trying to do is kind of get the company back to a way or back to a means where I guess the people that were overseeing those different departments Maybe get a little more power back in terms of knowing what property is going to go to what channel or what sh- streaming platform or or theatrical, you know, in terms of their IP or in terms of their movie business. Mm. Um, yeah, Ronald is is very accurate with what he said about the parks. Like you know, there's a lot of criticism on the parks right now in terms of Genie Plus and you know the way the park experiences has been, and, and as a massive Disney park person you know, it has gr- drastically changed and we've been able to go, you know, a few times, you know, in the past couple of years and even pre pandemic. And it, it is a marked difference and, you know, the, the value, the experience is it's, there's a, they have a problem actually um, that they need to fix. And I, and I don't know how quickly that can be addressed, but I know they made an announcement today that somebody was, you know, kind of moving into the the parks role or, or some version or some part of that department. Can't remember the name of the, the, the c-suite uh executive but i don't know like the disney plus piece specifically i think the problem with disney plus is the fact that they haven't really been able to develop a lot of original content that has been like a big hit that would have been a disney plus marked or dog-eared property from what Iger saw it being like i think we talked about it i think on the last episode of the one before about like how hocus pocus is like a lot of people are saying you know or even recently, Disenchanted, the Enchanted sequel that just came out last week on Disney Plus, like that's a movie that makes two hundred seventy to three hundred million dollars worldwide. You know, and you know, fifteen years ago, and the sequel goes straight to the streaming service. And Hocus Pocus too, if it ends up being the biggest streamed movie of all time, you know, there's a lot of prime money left on the table, um, especially in a company like Disney who has the ability to put movies in theaters. And kind of play with this window, which I think is what they need to try to do um, and really kind of develop what Disney Plus. And honestly, like there's so many moving parts, not to get into the weeds of it all. But I think Iger's big thing, you know, he was behind Marvel. He was behind Lucasfilm. He's a deal maker. You know, there's a lot of conversation around what he's going to do with ESPN. You know, that's a big question mark that he'd, he'd explored before of whether Disney would get rid of ESPN. It's kind of like a big question mark on the books. Um, And a lot of the analysts that followed it specifically about the stock, they've been talking about that for a while. Um, And the Hulu question of it as well. Like they have a 67% stake in Hulu and the remaining is through Comcast. You know, Comcast has basically said they're not going to release that stake unless, you know, it's at a premium price. If, If that means Iger can get that and, you know, kind of, fix what disney plus can be and you know maybe make it kind of uh all under one roof kind of thing to kind of expand out what the programming looks like that would be huge i think um and i don't know i just think it's a really good thing i i, I just don't i don't think anything that bob Chapek has done um for the company and and you know i gotta say it's like i don't know the guy you know i, I don't have a personal opinion about him just yeah. like you know inheriting this you know pre-pand you know at a, for a pandemic and Taking over Disney Plus, and you know, I'm not saying he's had an easy go of things either, but I just don't think it's been handled properly. I don't like how he handled all this, all the conversation around Florida. You don't um, like his stupid face, you stupid like His stupid face, his, his ugly stupid, children, stupid, face. stupid um, face. I'm taking it personal now, but <laughs> I don't know. This is like a huge, huge deal, and yeah. Yeah. you know what it means for Disney long term. I would say he, I'd be shocked if he stays there for only two years. I would probably say it'd probably be more three or four. Um, but I have a feeling, and I sent it to you guys on the thread. Like, there's, there's got to be some big play for yeah. Bob Iger to come back, yeah. and I don't know if that means acquiring something big or possibly even selling Disney. I don't know, but you know, there he he is a, a massive that that's his legacy thus far at Disney is like this deal making nature, um, and yeah i don't know like even the pixar you know being involved you know it's all the big things that disney has now you know when we talk about their ip he is the reason i mean for the most part like he is the reason that 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 it's a part of disney now you know the fox deal like it's just all it's it's majority him so you know he he's got to have some motivation to come back um and yeah i'm excited to have him back i i I was always a fan of his and again i file i i'm a hardcore disney fan across the board yeah you know, i own stock i go to parks you know i i'm it, all about it at disney life but um they're in a weird spot and it, it's it's a positive i think positive thing i think across like you know the board i think to have him back and uh and yeah to see where it goes from there i mean you know they're they're in a they're in a weird spot for sure yeah yeah um i didn't realize you know i kind of looked up and
2: realize that i'm a disney person you know what i mean like i've always yeah. known it i was a big disney channel person growing up and yeah i've been to a ton of the parks um i think i still owe you a wall a, a, a refrigerator magnet from from disney, the, um, disneyland tokyo yeah yeah i still do like i still I think have, you it. have it still yeah i i still owe that to you so like i've been to paris to japan i've been to paris twice disney disney paris twice um i'm a huge fan just like you and i think that what i've come to realize is you know i, I thought that this change was going to be you know when you hear the internet talking about Chapek being sucky but then when you see it happen you know and i've been to the parks and I, i've seen some of that stuff um and i hadn't been there since the changes. And then when you hear what it is and, you know, it's just like strange, strange stuff. And, you know, especially if you pay the money you do, it should feel like a premium experience and taking that away from people. You know, this isn't like going to uh, Hershey Park. You know, this is (laughs) Disney. There's a premium experience and it should be treated as such. And so should the channel. And so should the you know, there's, there's a there's a prestige that comes with their stuff. It's not It's not accidental. It comes from years and years of, of development. It's why we yeah. feel the way we do about it, and why we're so hard on it. It's why I feel so hard on the Marvel stuff when it, it falls a little flat.
1: Because and it's I'm, the air we fucking breathe? <laughs> the <laughs>
2: air we breathe. <laughs> yeah, so it, I'm curious. No, but it's see. like
1: Disney has so many big things. It crept up on me too, Ronald. Like When I was yeah. like, oh, I guess even though I want to talk smack about their yeah. kind of their tendencies as a company and their kind of cultural dominance that they try to go for. And they're kind of, you know, squeezing out maybe of certain type of creatives from their company and yeah. underpaying of teams of animators and effects artists and all that stuff. And and then it's like, oh, yeah, but then they, they produce a lot of my favorite, like, popcorn movies, at least. Yeah. And then they continually... Get me hooked in every time I'm like, well, this is just popcorn. It's like, no, it's got it gets me in the feels too. We yeah. were talking about Pixar before we started recording, you know, Pixar, the the Disney animated movies of recent years. There's 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 lots of good stuff that comes out that's like it still has that imprint of quality yeah, that right. you sort of expect sure. from them. But I guess what I'm saying, and that that I think I'm agreeing with what you've said, Ronald, and this is what maybe we're all saying on some level, is like you it's like it's such a massive company. It's a, you, you don't want to be like a shill for it, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but there is a lot to love about what they put out. If you are a, a fan of movies, or if you know, even with Disney Plus, the potential of those offerings. Um, I I heard somebody just this week actually they were talking about the you know that Armor Wars show that that mm-hmm. then got kind of turned into a movie. Uh-huh. Right. Right. And Don Cheadle was saying, oh, it got bigger uh, than the show. That was more for a movie. And it's like, you would think that if the story got bigger, it's more suited for a show than a yeah. movie. But then someone said, some producer or somebody said, it's no secret that the, that the shows don't have the budgets that the movie. It's all do. it is. Mm-hmm. It's budget. And yep. I was like, but i thought well but why is that like i get it i get yeah, it yeah, yeah. but when this whole disney plus thing started the sort of indication was that the shows wouldn't be a step down right and it's weird to me that they're still trying to get five hours six hours out of less money than they're going to give us two hours i understand that the two hours out in the theaters can make them a billion worldwide i get that i, I get that's, why it's different but I'm saying it's weird to me. It's like that makes that to me would be the problem if there is a creative problem with Disney Plus is that so few of the offerings have really lived up to the potential of what could be what could be visualized in these. You know, it's like you don't want to create a down market version of the MCU or of Star yeah. Wars or of whatever else. But that's inevitably what most of the TV, what the Disney Plus, I call it television, even though it's whatever it is, it's streaming yeah. Um. ones and zeros um but it's yeah it's to hear someone admit oh yeah these we gave wandavision a a nine hour or whatever no nine episode show whatever it was uh less money than we would have a 90 minute movie you know um i get why but i'm just saying i think that's part of the problem of this kind of slide of this sort of what does that imprint mean what does it mean when you see that marvel that opening music like are you now going like okay cool it's the latest marvel thing or are (laughs) you excited about it and i think that we've had that it's the latest marvel thing feeling a lot lately so i don't know i mean i just was wondering how much that kind of ceo how much that sort of that level that bird's eye thinking how much it has to do with the creative side but even if it's just the way these things are presented and marketed and rolled out it does have something to do with the, the cultural conversation around them so yeah
0: yeah for sure man
1: Yeah, i don't think anybody especially when it comes to marvel
0: probably even well i don't know maybe a little less so with star wars but like I don't think anybody even with you know, through Chapex run or how they were doing, you know, their organizational structure through him, you know, I don't think anybody was like telling Marvel they couldn't do X, Y, and Z. Right. You know, Marvel's the moneymaker. Um, it's probably the exception to the rule. But I think it I think the way it's presented is probably it, they need to re kind of try to like refocus or recenter that, you know, that that expectation of what the Marvel series are. Because I, I don't think the Marvel series are what the movies are um, mm-hmm. for obvious reasons, like you just said, you know, it's just a, uh, it's an additional, I listened to a podcast recently that had one of the Marvel. Um, he's a producer uh, that works under Kevin Feige was on the podcast. And he, you know, he was kind of talking about what you just said, you know, the armor Wars was, was what he was talking about was that, you know, the story itself is, you know, it got bigger and, you know, some of the special effects and some of the, you know, what, what they were kind of planning for, who could be in it, you know how they how how long they could be in it, things like that, you know you, you then you see it to a point where the budget, the time, you know, the special effects, whatever, you know, it just can't it can't be met with the with the series. It's like the series does not mean that you know we're drawing this out over six to nine episodes because you know we have more story to tell necessarily. It's that we want to serialize it even more than we do our movies so that we have a supplementary you know, uh storytelling medium to the main through line in the theaters, you know, it's like, yeah, there's a prime and there's like, not to say one is better necessarily than the right. other, but yeah. there is like a hierarchy, you know, yeah. of sorts, you know, you're not, if you look at all the series that we've had thus far, um, you know, I guess maybe with the exception of Loki, if you consider Tom Hiddleston, like a massive star, you know, none of these series have like huge stars in them. You know what I mean? Like they have, names that we all know and actors and actresses that we love um but and and new faces that we've grown to you know be happy to know and Mm -hmm. that that's really what the you know the show's purpose is and you know the way he was saying it really kind of clicked with me and i think that's a that's a challenge for them to maybe try to refocus that or or to, uh, I don't know, like center that around uh, the storytelling mm. a little more effectively, because I do think that some of the sh- series have been like he was basically like Moon Knight would have never existed. They talked about it to be a movie many, many times, mm. and there would have never been a situation where that ended up becoming a movie. Mm. But having an option to make it a series, yeah. you know, um it, it made that thing exist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it's better for it to exist, whatever, yeah. however you feel about it how great it is or how it's just kind of, you know, okay. You know, it's good that, that it, it's now in play in the MCU yeah. and it can be involved with however they want it to be involved and it's content for this yeah. channel. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's really kind con- they're leveraging the Marvel brand with this streaming. it's, it's such an intricate balance, but I, I do think it should not be lost that the movies are primary the big yeah, event you know, for sure the big event you know that that is it and you know they're really kind of building everything else around the movies and the series you know definitely serve a purpose and it's it's a way to get those characters into the movies you know in, mm-hmm. in certain ways so um it'll be interesting to see what happens with Disney plus i do think they're they're they're, they're ha- they have they have an amazing subscriber base you know especially if they eventually are able to fold hulu into it but i just think that you know, they've they really kind of got to build out the library a little more beyond the, you know, the, the vault stuff. I think that, you know, content wise, they kind of got to get a little more diverse and, you know, kind of get past like only the family friendly stuff. And that's kind of yeah. maybe what Hulu offers. Um, but I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. I think it's a I think it's a good service. It's just um, yeah, I watch sure. a lot on it. But um, we'll see. I don't know. Um. Let's talk about a movie. Yeah, let's pivot to a movie that's not on Disney Plus. Um, I think what I say last week is it was it Peacock or Paramount Plus or I forget where what service it was on. It's on
1: Paramount Plus, but it's also on uh, Amazon Prime, isn't it? That's how I watched it, but it might be some subscription that got it for me. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Tell 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 us what you chose and why you chose.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I, I chose last week. I mentioned it though in the podcast even before that um planes trains and automobiles i just you know it's a movie this time of year especially happy turkey day uh early or if you're listening to this on turkey day uh, this is a movie i always try to watch around this time of year um you know two comedians two actors i love amongst the rest of the cast that i think you know p- faces that pop up are just always you know it's
1: happy to see and remind that that they're in this movie weird but that I michael mckean is fourth build Let's just yes. all admit that that's weird that he's fourth built. But anyway, or you,
0: or, or you even the, you know the little clip you have of like you know Kevin Bacon chasing down a cab, or you know right. Dylan Baker, yes. you know just all these great faces that just pop up throughout the movie, um, as a nice reminder of like oh yeah, look at that guy, I'm, yeah he's still doing it. Um, but yeah, Steve Martin, John Candy, uh, you know John Candy obviously a uh, huge fan of his growing up, and definitely gone way too soon. Um, but it's just always great to watch. I love watching his movies, but this this is one of them that I just feel like you know, um between Steve martin and him they're they're dynamic together, they're chemistry together. a movie I just really find funny, and I just love seeing their personalities bounce off one another. It also like has we mentioned it I thinking maybe you said it last time, John, like it kind of bounces around a little bit in terms of like the drama of the movie and and those moments of of levity and like uh the comedic excuse me the comedic piece, pieces in it like they work so well and kind of how they that's something you know john hughes I, I i i felt did really well in a lot of his movies but um i don't know it's just like a feel-good movie for me to watch this time of year and uh i figured you know i just make it a part of the podcast and have you guys watch it too and I, I know you would seen it before john ronald you said i hadn't seen it in a while but it's been a while yeah, i hadn't either um, yeah so i mean what you guys what, what did you think uh revisiting planes trains and automobiles do
1: do do, ch, do, ch, do, ch, do 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 okay <laughs> go ahead ronald
0: there
2: it is um <laughs> uh i love john candy um yes i mean probably hear that a million times yeah. uh there's nobody camp like him Cam- yeah camp candy uh the cartoon that came out about two years before he passed was like one of my favorite cartoons. Um yeah. and he did the voice acting in it. Cause a lot of times they'll go to a cartoon version of somebody and be played by somebody else. They
1: get an impressionist basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Um, so John Candy was in my life a lot around the time that he passed away. You know, I was like home alone. Um not home we, alone. Oh wait, he's
1: in Home Alone. No, you're right. Right. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. When he yeah. showed up in Home Alone, that little piece, like man, it's something about what he represented in movies, this warmth that he represented that just, you know, I was talking to you about this offline, John just got me choked up. You know, he, he Mm -hmm. has a presence. And then obviously when the, the, the the twist in the end comes in and he's just like, come on, man, this, can it get any more sappy and sad? And, you know, it's like, it, it was, and it didn't feel like it was pulling the rug from under you. It feels like what a person would do in his position, you know, just trying to, Find these worthwhile experiences in the midst of the chaos of his life, and I just, I loved oh. it. the The scene where Steve Martin curses at the, the flight attendant. I mean, not the flight attendant. the The lady at the desk.
1: The rental car. Desk. Yeah.
2: dots in a fucking, man. It is. <laughs> I rewound it like maybe five times. It just is so aggressive. It's so funny. It's so out of character for him. At the time, he's just losing his shit because he's been pushed to his limit. God, it's 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 a it's an incredible movie. And I think I want to try to make it a part of my life a little more. And that's a little weird. It's such an old... you know, I'm gonna say it. I know you're gonna feel away when I say it. I watched I watched a 4K remaster of this thing. <laughs> I had to. I I wanna watch it in the quality that and it just came out to be to to be fair. Um, so it plucked today, your today. It plucked
1: your heartstrings in HD. It was yeah like, plucked
2: yeah. yeah, and it just is a gorgeous gorgeous film in uh, 4K. Uh, but uh, yeah, it just fun, emotional, well put together. I missed the shit out of Johnny. <laughs> I
1: know.
2: Yeah, yeah. So how how do you feel about it, John?
1: I mean, you know, I had a lot of feelings that kind of lingered uh, from from watching it uh uh when it originally came out um and i was i mean i'm looking at the the actual date that it came out i'm just gonna so 1987 november of 87 i was 14 so that would have been like Mm. into my ninth grade year this was definitely when i would get like dropped off at the theater on a saturday afternoon or evening so i could watch a movie and so that you know um I, to my mom or dad would be like, okay, stop bugging me about taking him to that movie. But I would, I know this is when I saw as quickly as I could. And I probably got mm-hmm. dropped off at the theater and saw it. And I think at the time I was a big John Hughes guy. So this was like him branching out uh, beyond kids, kids, movies, teen movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the next year he would release She's Having a Baby with Kevin Bacon and Elizabeth McGovern. And that was another sort of like he's moving away from these. He's going to other stages of life, sort of, you know, Mm. uh, from as opposed to just high school. But I think that's interesting. In this movie, we get that Kevin Bacon cameo. And then the next year, Kevin Bacon is starring in a in a John Hughes movie. John Candy is the lead in this. He's the lead in Uncle Buck, which I think is a John Hughes it is john candy is the lead in this and he's and that's in a crazy book it's a script is it directed by john hughes though it is like Uncle yeah. Buck? but i mean and then he's a cameo or a small part in home alone i'm just saying the way john hughes would bring these actors in and yeah. work with them even as a kid watching these films i was starting to see that kind of john hughes flavor frankly he was probably one of the first directors who i knew by name maybe spielberg was the very first right um and then somewhere in there, I might have learned about some of these other folks, but John Hughes was, was right up there with a, a name brand, someone who I knew. Oh, he wrote this one but didn't direct it. Oh, he wrote and directed this one, you know. And of course, Ferris Bueller was one of my favorite movies at that point. I, I was a big pretty and pink guy at that point. Um, so I guess I say all that just to say this movie was right in in right down the middle for me when it came out. And I had probably seen it several times. And then I know I mentioned last time that several scenes from this were excerpts when comedy central started off and they would play clips they would have the rights to play certain movies mm. and then they would play clips from those movies throughout the day like mtv so you'd get a clip from one comedy a clip from another comedy and this movie there were certain scenes that when i saw it uh, for this episode it's like oh i've seen this scene a thousand times a hundred i don't know however many times <laughs> i must have seen it but like the moment where they um uh uh are going the wrong way on the mm-hmm. interstate for instance that segment got played as a clip but uh, isolated clip you know <laughs> yeah um other moments were like but that was one where i specifically remembered because i remembered the sound design of when it gets all quiet and it's just the trunk soaring through the air you know <laughs> um <laughs> so i don't know there's some perfectly constructed comic sequences in this movie that really hold up and and uh and it's maybe when you know there's one moment that is one of the funniest moments in the movie, but it's also one of the one of the, the moments that's aged the least well. It's the uh, those aren't pillows moment. <laughs> I, I think it, I think in twenty twenty two that plays very much as a joke about toxic masculinity there's yeah, a yeah. joke about what we call gay panic now which is like the idea that the worst thing for a straight guy is to for someone to think he's gay yeah, um, yeah. Right. or to feel gay for a second in the 80s and 90s into the 2000s that was that was the main joke honestly for like bro comedy yes this movie has that funny moment where it's like it made me a little it was like okay so this moment hasn't aged exactly well but the moment still plays as funny because the jokes on them for being so uncomfortable about it. But I also think the way John Candy and Steve Martin play that moment of waking up in each other's arms and John Candy kind of kisses Steve Martin's ear. I think that's fun, like the physical, The physicality, the way that's staged, is funny beyond anything about it that may have not aged particularly well. And I guess I'm just getting at how how funny this movie can be with these actors bouncing off of each other. You can tell Steve Martin is playing kind of the butt of the joke for a lot of the movie. And I was thinking, like, oh, how's he making that work in his mind, squaring that with this kind of sarcastic persona he has at the beginning of the movie that you're willing to believe we're on his side. And then right at the moment when we're starting to think he's kind of being a dick, the movie lets you know that this world knows he's being a dick you know yeah. and then you've got like well who's worse the annoying guy quote unquote or the the uptight guy Um, and it becomes like abbott and costello or something like that like and i think steve martin you can see him kind of relishing the opportunity to be like we're going down the road we've got snappy dialogue i'm going well what'd you do it that way for Well, well that's crazy you know it's like it's just got this great rhythm to it and i just i was really admiring that particular craft and yes everybody's opinion the longer someone like john candy is gone the more you your love for them kind of grows when you go back to something like this that's like nobody could do this like i i, I was trying to yeah. think i i kind of mentally made remakes of i don't want uh, let's note i don't want a remake of this movie at all but i was like if you too bad this, too bad it's is uh, it being Ke- remade? Ke- kevin kevin hart and will smith
0: okay not as good as what i had in mind that's really but happening I, I mean as of this like i think earlier 2022 pre-oscars it was happening uh i think they announced it last fall last winter yeah
1: well, well I, I got on a text thread with a friend of the show, Bob Rose, and we were kicking back and forth. I said right off the bat, I think uh, current stage Paul Rudd could nail the Steve oh Martin part God. of like uptight, sarcastic guy who slowly unravels as we realize he doesn't have it to- as together as we think. And yep. Bob Rose and I were like, but who could be who could be John Candy? And we said Zach Galifianakis <laughs> is like the first thing you think of. Mm. But he's not John Candy. He's kind of from another planet. Yeah. yeah um, we came up with Jack Black, which I thought was a pretty good definitely a pretty good yeah, way to go a good pick. and but then we started talking about just different things and here's what i really like donald glover and lakeith stanfield and the steve martin and john candy roles like imagine darius uh you know the darius character spun out into like the lovable annoying guy who crashes your life and donald glover playing the slowly unraveling guy or you could just <laughs> straight up get key and peel to do it <laughs> anyway there's there's lots yeah, of ways you could go with it key <laughs> But the, but go. now but now who's who because it seems like they both could play the uptight guy well, but who's going to be better at the Dell part of Key and Peel?
0: Um, yeah. I think Jordan.
1: You think Jordan's yeah. a better Dell, and yeah, so so Key can play yeah. that uptight guy that he excels at.
0: I, yeah, I kind of yeah, I kind of feel like even in in uh what is it the reboot show he kind of he kind of
1: yeah yeah <laughs> you
0: know he kind of is
1: t- tapping into that a little bit. Anyway, I say all that to say it's hard to do because these are indelible comic performers, and John Candy is a a one-of-a-kind guy who brings so much heart and lovability to this character who you could despise or think is gross, and then that tonal shift that the movie has, I don't know fully. I still don't know that it fully works, but I don't think it matters when it's like the last five minutes of the movie. And what you said, Ronald is so true. You recognize it as sappy and yet it still completely stomps on your heart. It stomps on your feelings because John Candy's playing it. And because this movie lets you actually, it's been building up that feeling as it's gone along, that feeling that you should care a little bit about this guy. Neil shouldn't be so hard on him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, The fact that it's like, if you make a road movie now that has people driving through the night together, this movie is what you're going to think of. You know what I mean? Like somehow, at least for modern audiences, this movie is the road movie. Everything goes wrong. They did that uh, due date film with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis that can't help but feel like this. You couldn't make any movie that's anything similar to this without it feeling like this for me. There's that stretch right in the middle of the movie. And I started timing out the episodes, the comedy episodes, like how f- this little funny moment like oh there were about five to seven minute segments almost and then it moves on to another episode as far as like what the gag is and where they're going but yeah. there's like 20 minutes in the middle of the movie where neil is no longer trying to get away from dell
2: yeah yeah
1: and he hasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. and and he ha- they haven't had the moment with the car catching on fire where they kind of blow up and then they get uh you know, shortly after that they get arrested. They have an opportunity to split up. But there's like a brief period in there where you go, when is the movie maybe humming along at its best? And I really think it's when like it's just like I said, it's Abbott and Costello. It's these two guys are together. You're not questioning why they're together. They're not questioning why they're together. They're just going from one little caper to the next. Um, it's that whole segment. I think it starts with him with Dell picking. Uh, kneel up and then saying you know you do a lot of weird things too you're not you're not so perfect and he, t- he tells him that he plays with his balls a lot <laughs> and then he says something like you know what i want and he said what another pair of balls and a couple of fingers <laughs> or something anyway it's just such a strange bit but from that moment on it's like there's like about a 20 minute segment where where the, the plot isn't really progressing so much as they're just moving across, you know, they're moving, but the story is stuck on, like, just watching these two guys interact. And it's just pure comedy joy. I mean, Steve Martin and John, John can't be in the car like miming the piano along to the Ray Charles song while he's, like, throwing the cigarette in the back. All that stuff is just chaos. It's insanity. Yeah. And it's so well delivered that I was like, okay, yeah, this movie still, still has it. And, yeah, sappy as fuck when Steve Martin is going away in the train and he's looking back on the events of the movie. But yeah. it got me it got me i I, it always gets me when a character does that when they like think back on what they've been through and it it was corny the way it was presented but who cares it was so effective and yeah i I also think it's a little bit weird the way the movie ends because it's like dell smiling at steve martin kissing his wife (laughs) and i would say if the movie does have a weakness it's that we're supposed to i guess care so much about steve martin's relationship with his wife but i I found her to be a total zero in the movie i think there was a lot of stuff they supposedly cut that had Mm. to do with her sitting at home thinking steve martin was cheating on her and not believing his stories from the road i'm kind of glad they cut that stuff but but supposedly the original edit of this thing was like almost four hours long. So there's a lot of stuff that wow. got cut out to get the movie that wow. we got. Um, but I feel like in my mind, the real point at the end is not, oh, good, Steve Martin's at home with his weird wife. Uh, he's It's more about Neil has let Dell in. Like the yeah. more significant moment for me is him saying, here's a friend of mine, you know, right, right, um, right. that's more significant than thank God he made it home to his kind of bland family, you know, but um, but again, it's, yeah, it's a kind of a holiday classic. And don't you think movies that contended themselves to a holiday are always gonna have that extra always. replay value and extra always. emotional pull? <clears throat> yeah, totally, for sure.
0: Yeah. You gotta like, yeah, earmark those ones, keep them around every yeah. holiday season.
1: Thanks for suggesting it, Steve. Huh?
0: Yeah, it was good timing. And I saw that 4K came out, I think, today, right? Yeah. 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 So that was that was good timing. I didn't know that, but awesome. Had to do it. Um do it, man. Do it up. Um, and also just, I mentioned it last week, I think, but, um, uh, Ryan Reynolds announced, um, recently that I think last month that his maximum effort production company, they're making a John Candy documentary. He's a very outspoken fan of John Candy. Like it's like his favorite person. Um, he always posts, you know, stuff like on his, on his anniversary of his death or what would have been his birthday or stuff like that. But this year, yeah, they posted, he posted, um, something about that he, um, along with Maximum Effort. And I think Colin Hanks might, maybe he's involved in it. It seems like he might be directing it, Oh, wow. but that it has John Candy's family's blessing. Like they've gotten access to all of his archives and home videos and stuff like that. So, um, obviously I can't wait to, to see what they come up with there. Cause, um, yeah, if Colin's direction, you know, he did a great job with that tower record stock. So I'd love to see, you know, um. A documentary about john candy and what they come up with but hopefully you know that'll come out probably next year or two i guess cool
1: and ronald i just wanted to throw back that 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 rental car booth scene or the desk <clears throat> scene that you're talking about with edie yeah. mcclurg where the all the fucks that scene was instantly legendary like i remember walking out of that movie and it felt like the world had figured you know it's like everybody knew that scene like that scene earned mm-hmm. you something it was rare nowadays it might not be that surprising because we have torrents yeah. cursing on television but hearing an actor like steve martin cut loose like that uh and you know and edie McClurg getting to play a little bit of a spin she usually plays super nicey midwestern lady the fact that she got to play that like <clears throat> person who's like when she finds out he doesn't have the the receipt that he needs, the yeah. look on her face, and she goes, "Oh no!" She's like, she's so glad that she can tell him to get fucked. But it's a, it's just like a perfect moment, and I, so I think good. I think of it next to the moment on Seinfeld where he where they don't have his car. They took the reservation, but they don't have a car, and he's saying, "Anyone can just take a reservation. You have to keep the reservation." Um, but like I think there's something about that moment when you're at the rental car desk. It's a it's a great moment to unravel because that it could is. be the the that could be the final moment of I'm about to escape from this <laughs> from this, you know, airport. Um oh, man. But, such a uh, good scene. Also, let's give Dylan Baker props for that hilarious loogie face that he makes, like when he yeah. looks look where he goes <laughs> and he gets this almost like look of horror while he's trying to that's that's such like a well observed comic thing. It is. Um, oh man also the dog frozen with his teeth bared is so stupid but it always gets me all right yeah so we we liked it we we feel like it it holds up reasonably well i mean no movie no comedy from 1987 is going to be totally seamless in the modern age but this one holds up reasonably well because i think it's got the it's because of the heart and it's because of these kind of recognizable archetypes like we've all felt like both of these guys at different times i think
2: yeah yeah for sure sure
1: all right. Well, it's, I guess it's on me. All it's that re- actually, yeah. all that remake talk made me start thinking about comedy remakes and how they very uh, uh, rarely work. Um, almost as bad of a track record as comedy sequels, I think, is comedy mm. remakes with, with how well they work. Um, and then I started thinking about remakes of comedies where I know that this remake is supposed to not be as good as the original, but have I seen the original? And I have not seen the original Lady Killers, from 1955, starring Ooh. Alec Guinness, Herbert Lom, Peter Sellers, uh, and more. So, 1955's "The Lady Killers," with uh, Alec Guinness playing a role that he's you know like he's not Obi Wan in this. So, for modern audiences, <laughs> this is going to be a real a real head head trip. Um, but yeah, I've been want, I've been wanting to see this one for a while. I checked out the trailer; it looked pretty funny. I mean, it seems like it's actually pretty darkly funny for a movie made in 1955. So, um, and also, it's fun to see an actor like uh, Peter Sellers before he's he's the main you know star in a movie. This is like a few years before he'll start making the Pink Panther movies with Blake Edwards and other things that we know him for. So, um, yeah, and this is the kind of thing Alec Guinness wanted to be remembered for. You know that famous story of the kid wanting his autograph. And him saying, I'll give you my autograph, but you have to promise to never watch Star Wars again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's a crazy thing to say, George.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's just that he got to a point in his life where it pissed him off that that was all he was known for yeah, after, yeah. like, decades of other work. But that's sort of a, uh, hey, man, that's all you're known for. <laughs> so, okay. you know. yeah, yeah. So, you don't know, hear Ian McKellen talking shit about Gandalf. But um. anyway, the Lady Killers. Okay, cool. All right. right. I don't know if
0: that's available in 4K, Ronald. I don't know. You I don't think to... it's going to be. I don't you think might have they have down. And... <laughs> I
1: don't think they had 4Ks back then. They only had like a 1K, and so it yeah. might be like 4C or 4D or something like yeah. that. Yeah.
2: Some 480P. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> um. So, uh, what, have what you else you got? got? Yeah. What have you guys been watching?
1: Anybody seen any movies of recent vintage since I guys? have? What'd you see? I just, I watched, so Black
2: Adam came out on p this week and I had fun. I've watched it twice. I had fun. Cool. I think that, I think that there's like this, oh man, I don't want to get into it for a long time, but I'll say there's like a bias that people have about Marvel properties versus DC properties. And I think sometimes just going into a movie that's not really connected to a a larger story is just fun sometimes. Sometimes I just want an isolated story that's chaotic and silly and has a lot of explosions. And Black Adam killed 50 people in the first like 10 <laughs> minutes of the movie. And he didn't stop. And he he kind of maintained his same shittiness throughout the whole movie. He he kind of he grew a little. But he he kind of just kept killing, so I really enjoyed that about him. Um, (laughs) The Rock is a believable character. Like I I thought, I thought that I would. I hated how he taught how he promoted it, but I get why he did what he did. Like, like Black Adam is a badass. He is is like top of the food chain kind of character, and he doesn't care about anybody else. It's it's really he was really talking like the character did in the movie. He's just like I don't care about anybody else. It's not that he thinks he's more powerful. He just doesn't care. He'd rather just right. do his own shit and kill people in his path. Uh it was fun, man. Mohammed randomly funny in it. it. Was a good movie. I liked it.
0: I watched Who's it re- too. I watched it too and I I think I mean, I I don't think I liked it. um, You didn't like it. I don't know. Like I, I I just feel kind of like I know. I don't know. Like I feel like some of the action stuff I was okay with, and some Mm -hmm. of it I felt like I feel like it it moves pretty quick, which is um a compliment, and I think that that's probably like a good thing. Yeah. I just kind of I don't know. Like I felt like it just kept going back to. It, it didn't it didn't really feel like there was much and and who am I to expect it but I mean like really a, a story you know at all like beyond really kind of like that massive narration to start the movie um, yeah which which kind of bothered me that it was that loose over at the beginning it was loose um, man. But I don't know some
1: some of the action looked cool and yeah the um, effects were were fun and there was some cool like the way people's powers work together were kind of fun at times yeah, yeah.
0: and I, I got like I I, I gotta say like. I mean, if I'm being honest, I found Hawkman and Dr. was it, Dr. Fate or whatever yeah. his name was. Yeah. I found them far more interesting than Black Adam at all. Like was I could I, I could that. not yeah. be interested in yeah. Black. I mean, The Rock's yeah. fine, you know, what you do your thing, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the 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 superhero of of Black Adam, uh I I, I did not get reeled in at all beyond just like watching him destroy yeah. shit. But like <laughs> The Hawkman stuff, like his dynamics with his yeah. team, even just—I I love Addis Hodge. Like in everything he's in, me too. And I hope you see we see more of him and stuff. Like if, if you're not watching, uh, he's on that. Uh, oh shit, what's it called? City on a Hill mm-hmm. uh, on Showtime. Um, but yeah, I just—I just love him, and I think that. Um, yeah, I don't know when he or dr fate were you know on the screen or having anything to do yeah that was the most interesting stuff in the movie for me um but you know they're even, even with you know they're doing the best they can like i think the script is pretty bad and you know yeah, like yeah. some of the dialogue is just like cringy but i mean some of the stuff worked really well and i i loved both of them in the movie too. i wish there was i wish there was more without you know stuff with adam smasher and I don't even remember what the girl, the the female superhero. Her name Storm. Was. Storm, right? Storm, but like Cyclone, or what? What was her name? I think her name was Cyclone. I'm I'm serious. Like I, like, think I, I don't I, I don't even like remember. That, that's that's bad. Like she's in yeah. like six scenes in the movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like it's not. It's I didn't like see it. Oh my god, this is like not watchable at yeah, all. But like, I I, know I, I did mean. not I did not feel that way. Um, but it definitely felt like it's bad when I'm more interested in everything but him yeah you know
2: like yeah. i want to talk about one more thing one more yeah, thing go before. ahead go ahead
0: sorry john
1: what, oh, No, i was you're... just gonna say that i I felt a similar way that it was like yeah. it would you couldn't it it you couldn't say that it was bad or that it sucked it's just that it was kind of not s- special in a way that like the hype definitely set up something that was going to be much more monumental and mind-blowing than it was but that's what they always do so then you've got the issue of what steve is talking about which is that what this movie brings into the dc kind of fold is maybe a little bit more interesting to me than the marquee character and i sort of agree like it's more significant as a dc fan to have yeah. hawkman in, in the conversation and to have dr fate in the conversation outside of the aldous hodge and pierce brosnan aspect which is a strength but just having those two characters in the movies yeah. to me means more than having the character of black adam in yeah. the movies as well me too. but i kind of know what you mean ronald about keeping this character pure where he could sort of occupy a villain space or a hero space going forward like i don't think that's particularly like wow, or like they did a great job right, of it. Right, but right. I do think they did that. And I do think yeah. like, yes, he's a guy who's going to take a helicopter and throw it at another helicopter. <laughs> and you're going to see people, you're not going to see people jumping out with parachutes in this movie. Right, just right. Blow right, up. And I do think there's something kind of funny about the fact that he never really grows past that yeah. fully. He, he still does. will kill a motherfucker. Yeah, um, I love I just, I, I just think that could have been, imagine how fun that would have been if he brought that energy to the villain role in a Shazam movie, as opposed to this movie.
2: Yes, I agree. Um, And I just want to mention one more thing. Peacock, um, Blumhouse Television, put out this TV show um, about this wrestler. I'd always heard about him, Teddy Hart. I've actually been at events that he's been at um, called Dangerous Breed Crime, Cons, and Cats. It's about a wrestler um, who is in the Hart family. Um, and he uh, basically gets the attention of a documentarian that wants to follow him around. And it's about this documentarian talking about that. And then midway through, um, this guy has a lot of weird. He, he breeds uh, Persian cats. So he has like 200 cats in his house. Um, he's a super weird, manic person. And midway through. Uh, he's with a woman and she disappears. It is... It's something that I've always heard about in circles, like uh, wrestling circles that I kind of am in. But seeing a documentary is one of the most... What they call dr- those rings? Yeah, in the rings. Yeah. Uh, just seeing this documentary is just a really... It, it, it's a damning testament to how strange this man is and... It's worth checking out. It's only three parts. They're about an hour each. It's on Peacock uh, Dangerous Breed. Uh, it's about Teddy Hart, who is associated with the Heart Foundation. So he was just for perspective, Teddy was next. Teddy was like, he had the Heart Foundation behind him. He was small and fit and could flip, but he had a crazy, crazy anger issue. It was something I always heard about. So I heard it was really crazy, but this is like proof positive that he has some problems and uh, they've never found the woman. Um, but they do have some like clues as to what may have happened to her. But it is, it's worth checking out whether you're a wrestling fan or not. And I know you like m- your murder docs, Steve. It's worth yeah, checking I, out. I was
1: going to say, you'll, you'll catch me with the true crime part more than yeah. the wrestling part. So. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Check so. it out. Check it out. It's, it's, it's a little messy because The documentarian is going between showing the footage. He interferes. He's also he records himself because I think he's kind of afraid for his life at some Mm -hmm. points, too. So it's like a testament. He's just like, look, I'm going to also put myself in this. I'm
1: going to document this because, yeah.
2: Yes, it gets. There are some points where he's he's addressing the disappearance of this woman. And it gets so intense that he's kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to make it out of this room. You know, it, it gets mm-hmm. like that. So, mm-hmm. um,
1: yeah, man. Dangerous out. breed. Well, I will just mention quickly the movie that I saw in the theater. Um, I saw The Menu, starring Ray Fine and oh, uh, Anna Taylor-Joy. Nicholas bastard. Holt and Judith Light. Judith Light, she's the big name in this She's who's the boss. Uh, John Le- John Leguizamo. Um, you know, this is an interesting one. I don't know d- what you've heard or what uh, your expectations are for this, but this is a movie that, like, I think in the end, the kind of satire aspect of it mm-hmm. sort of overtakes the story in a way to the point where at, by the time you're dealing with the end, these, these characters aren't really acting like humans. They're acting like they're they're behaving the way the satire needs them to behave sure there are there's a few moments where it's like okay if everyone in this room started like fighting for their freedom from this weird situation they could conceivably do something to stop it but instead they're kind of going along with it and there's a little bit of like a it's like ray fine plays this uh this chef, this kind of celebrity chef who has this this sought-after bizarre restaurant that you, you know, it's hard to get a reservation, and it costs like upwards of $1,000 a plate, oh, and wow. it only caters to these super elite people, and you gradually discover that he's got sort of a grudge against these people, and that's why they're there, and he's kind of doing different things, and tonight's dinner is supposed to be a special dinner um, with some very special consequences for the guests, and mm. that just kind of keeps escalating, and I guess there's a part of me that thought it was going to escalate more, in that it was going to evolve into a scenario that was going to be more kind of fiendishly evil rather than like hitting a certain pitch in the first third or so and then kind of maintaining that pitch of like. Oh, these people are gonna put up with whatever this guy does because he's this celebrity chef and they're all here oh. to like glom onto his thing and he yeah. knows he's got these elite people right where he wants them. But is he an elite person or does he view himself as an outsider to their world? And mm. you know, there's some interesting things going on there. Um Nicholas Holt's character is particularly kind of funny in in the in terms of the dark comedy and like, oh wow, this character's kind of cruising for a certain kind of uh, comeuppance. Um lots of lots of really fun great stuff but i did feel like it didn't keep evolving and showing me new things it is kind of confined to one scene one room one restaurant where it's all unfolding so it's a little bit like a play that's not really a knock it definitely does right. some things really well and right up to the end it's throwing moments and images and 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 performance bits at you that are really engrossing but i would say for me personally i feel like there was a certain point where i got ahead of the the satire of the movie and i wanted it to go someplace else in terms of the story because there's just a few things that happen where it's like like for instance there's a moment where they give certain characters a chance to escape and then those characters try to escape when they're recaptured and there's not really any like that doesn't end up being anything it was just sort of a scene but it's not like Mm. what you kind of expect is that now that these people are recaptured it's going to go up a notch or they're going to be punished in some way or it's going to be some weird thing and instead it's just like no these people are back in the world of doing whatever this chef says they should do um which again that celebrity chef thing is enough of a phenomenon it's it's you almost can get me with that the idea that these people will sit there and basically wait to be tortured or killed you know in a scenario uh just because someone is saying you gotta do what i say um but and that's not quite what happens in the movie i'm just saying that's the kind of extremes that this this guy's trying to push people to uh but you can see why Ray Fine would pick this would pick this role and you can see why almost anyone would be involved in this. I mean the the pedigree it's directed by Mark Milod who is like I think he's involved with like succession and had something to do with shameless. Um so yeah social satire uh, it's much more interested in being a social satire than it is in being a thriller or a horror film or even a dark comedy. Um, so, you know, proceed with that in mind, but it okay. was, it was, it was definitely, it was another one we can't, I can't say it, it was bad or that it lost me in a way that felt like I was really down on it. But I did sort of feel like my excitement at seeing this kind of movie where I had no idea quite what to expect uh you know like sitting down to watch an episode of white lotus for instance steve where it's like you know you're going to get some wicked satire and you're just ready for it but you know it's going to leave you feeling kind of you know kind of (laughs) mean about humanity i I was really enjoying that part of this movie and then it did you know it it maybe escalates too much and not enough at the same time uh in my mind but but still very watchable and really fun if you want to see ray fine kind of chew the scenery so No pun pun intended for a food movie.
0: (laughs) Um, I wanted to mention one I watched. uh, I saw the new uh, Netflix movie *Slumberland*. Mm. um, How was it? It was good. It was cute. It was um, it's 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 kind of bloated a little bit. Uh, Mm. like just kind of going from set piece to set piece. But I think the story, like what it's going after, is sweet. And, you know, I'm a sucker, I'm a sap, like it's just hitched right, you know, uh, in, a, in, a, in a sweet spot for me um, in terms of like emotional, I don't know, like uh, going after your emotions, I guess. But um, Jason Momoa is kind of, you know, having a good time, kind of being like a, I don't know, kind of like a Beetlejuice meets Willy Wonka kind of like caricature um, of, of those maybe those were two, two that came to my mind i don't know maybe somebody else would see it and think of somebody else but just very over the top and just kind of being something that he's not you know normally uh, i guess um and uh kyle chandler is you know in it for a bit and um uh, you know it's a good cast the girl who's in it i saw she's also i think in you talked about it last week she's in um uh, the spirited movie um Oh, wow. You mentioned uh, on Apple TV Plus, she plays I think Ren in that, but I haven't seen that yet, but she plays the the title care or the the lead character in this movie called Nemo, um, who basically is trying to use her dreams to be reunited with her father, and Momoa's character is like this, you know, char- character in the movie that her dad always told her stories about, and he kind oh. of is her like shepherd through her dreams to try to like find her dad, mm. um, who you know, she kind of loses early in the movie, but yeah. Um. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Um. But it's sweet, and it's got some cool set pieces directed by Francis Lawrence. So you know, it, it looks good. Um. And uh, you know, it's it's just it's fine. It's fine. Um. I, I'd probably recommend checking it out if you like a nice family watch. Like I watched it with Aaron and Sydney, and uh, they they both like actually Aaron like loved it. Um. And Sydney was really into it, but it was cute. Um. I think I saw something else I wanted to say, but. Maybe not. Um started watching the Chippendale show. Mm. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. The first two you could talk first about, two. right? First you know. two, yeah.
1: Um <sighs> yeah, I haven't I haven't watched yet, so I'll 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 <clears throat> just listen and learn. Um
2: Yeah, this follows the story of the uh the origin story of Chippendale, uh a one location thing Re- that they're became...
1: rescue rangers, right?
2: Yeah. Ch-ch-chip chip ch- ch- welcome, welcome to Chipp Dale.
1: <laughs> By the way, uh speaking of, you're just reminding me, did, did how funny was it that Planes, Trains and Automobiles had that like, remix of the movie thrown in with the soundtrack? Did you notice that? It had like certain lines like repeated, but it was like, hi, I'm Del Griffith. Oh, I'm D- 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 Del yeah, Griffith. Yeah, but it was like yeah. part of the soundtrack. Anyway, I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> Anyway, that was a tangent. <clears throat> So tell me about uh, the, ch- like, how's Kamel? How's he in this kind of dramatic turn? It seems like that's what, this is like his Scorsese turn, you know, where he gets to play that type of guy.
2: I think he's incredible. He's I really? Mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, w- what he's doing, I mean, so one thing I had always heard him say was that he would never play a character that had an accent, right? Like that mm-hmm. that had an, uh, a heavy accent. And when I saw the trailer and heard it, I was like, this must be something that he feels compelled enough to to make this compromise for. Um, and I don't know if you've seen the documentary about Chippendales that came mm-hmm. on. Uh, oh, God. I mean... We talked it, about
1: it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we did. Gru-
2: gruesome, gruesome situation. And it doesn't steer too far from that, but seeing the the dramatization of it, um, you know, Kamel's just... He's kind of a force in this, you know. It, it that guy's very subtle, yeah. And and Kamel's doing a lot of fighting with his eyes and his face, and it, you know, it's like, you know, I, I'm I'm very curious to see. You know, Steve watched a little more, um, but I'm curious to see how the 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 nuance that he's kind of showing throughout the scene because he he's a, he's a bag of fireworks, but. He can't really show it. He, you know, it's kind of he's battling these these cultural sort of standards that that have been put on him, but also wanting to be a capitalist at the same time mm-hmm. and wanting to make money. And he, he he makes all these compromises and changes things. And you know, it's it's interesting to see uh, what's going to break him, even though I know the story. It's interesting. I want to see how they depict that in it. Um, but it's it's a, it's really well put together. The cast is just,
0: I there's nobody that I don't like in it. Is anybody in it that? No, it's it, great. I mean, yeah, the cast is awesome. Um, you 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 mentioning White Lotus reminded me of the one I wanted to mention, John, because uh, Murray Bartlett is one of the leads in the show. He plays um, um, Nick dodoya who is you know again go, go watch you know if you want to if you want the doc series version of this the, the curse of the chippendales doc series is the one was right. talking about that came out last year but uh he he was like you know uh producer writer direct like creative director dancer He he's the one that steve br- brings in to you know um create the chippendales show and you know their relationship develops and you know I don't want to spoil anything if you don't know the story, but, um, but he's, he's great in the show. He was awesome. Everything goes White great. Lotus. Everything goes well. Yeah. friendship yeah. goes, goes well, great. Yeah. The business goes yeah. great. Everything. It's yeah. yeah. still, still the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Kamal is great. Uh, Murray Bartlett's great. Um, you know, I got to say like, again, I don't want to spoil anything because I feel weird even talking about the story. Um, but, uh huge fan of Dan Stevens and you know he's not on the show a ton but he's a very important part of the Chippendale story yeah he, play, he plays pa- Paul Snyder um who was married to Dorothy Stratton and if you know what happened to Dorothy Stratton you know what happened to Paul Snyder but their involvement in um what Chippendale started as and and becomes is is a very controversial important part of its history but you know he, he his role in the show I think he's just he, i mean he was amazing in the show he I was thought. he He's was so good to the point again it's a downer that to not see more of him yeah. in the show uh but you know i think that's what the show is doing really well like julia lewis is in it um you know uh again ronald you know uh who, who plays uh annalee ashford yeah An- Annalie ashford yeah oh she's my
2: great. god she is a force man like i love her and everything
0: yeah um but yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's such it's such a it's such a crazy story for like you know the kind of like landmark brand you know uh, that that it was in in its heyday, um, and you know to see this kind of feature version of it on on Hulu, um, and a, the, a few of the episodes. I think maybe the first two were I know two of the ones that I've watched were directed by Matt Shackman, who you know did Wandavision. He's doing the Fantastic Four movie um just really good looking show too you know it's got like a nice era uh to it it's got a the air vibe to it um but yeah definitely recommend it i mean i'd like to talk about it more once we finish the series and just kind of talk about it as a whole i mean the story is super interesting again also would recommend that curse of the chippendales docuseries um if you if you want to learn more about it um but yeah kamal this is a great role for him it's, it's something a little different I, I I feel like I was I, I, I do feel distracted at times, like that he's still like jacked. Um, even though he does look like he put on like a little like weight, you know, to to look a little more like um his character. Um yeah. but you can it, still tell that like Kamal's in amazing shape and it's his a little face distracting. is still
2: chiseled. It's like
0: it, it, it is, but you can tell that he gained weight in his face. Cause yeah. like if you if you look at him in like, you know, whatever, eternals or even just yeah. him on on any kind of video like even when he was on uh murderville netflix the will arnett kind of improv series um like he's just so and he's just so cut and you know Mm -hmm. i was like i I was very aware of it watching this because you could tell that he tried to look a little more like uh banerjee and he he does he does he really you can see a bit of a transformation but yeah when he's walking around in those like suits you can tell dude's got you know you, you know nobody's messing with this guy um but i love him this is a great this is a great vehicle for him and uh i'm excited to watch the rest of the series
1: yeah for sure i'll definitely check it out i kind of need a show to watch with nikki so we'll 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 sample it
0: definitely definitely
1: yeah man i don't know i got nothing
0: else um yeah Welcome to Chimpendales on Hulu by the way if we didn't say that. Yes. I think I think the first two episodes are out now. Um wait, no, the f- or did they all come out at the same time?
2: I think first two came out. First two, okay. Yeah, first two.
0: That's right. That's right. They usually do the first two. Um, give you a little yeah, sample. <laughs> I I do love like the Hulu like series true crime like oh. So from the headlines series that they that they're kind of yeah. rocking here,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, you know whether it was Pam and Tommy or the Act or, you know, this. Uh, it's just like they, they got a nice little slate of these like adaptations that they've done from whether it was a docu series, which
1: was Candy the name of that one with yeah, just Candy Beale is a good one yeah Just, M- B- I like M- that Linsky. a lot too yeah me
0: too that was great um yeah they got, they've got a nice little niche there where they kind of get these things launched pretty quickly. And get into production. Um, again, full circle here. Let's get this funnel these into this Disney Plus services. You got
1: a well, more of a well rounded uh package here, maybe. Yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> but by the way, just before I know I keep coming back to planes, trains, and automobiles tangents. Uh, planes, trains, and automobiles tangents. That is, I just wanted to sh- share this interesting thing with you. I, w- I looked up the cinematographer of it because I was thinking, like, why do I like this movie so much? Like the way that it looks. And so I looked up the cinematographer Donald Peterman. This guy basically he's he's the eighties. Let me tell you the movies that he he <laughs> okay. shot. Um Flashdance, Splash, oh, Cocoon. Wow. Damn. Star Trek for the Voyage Home. Uh, Then planes, trains, and automobiles, and she's having a baby. But also Point Break in 91, so he's not just an 80s guy. And then, interestingly enough, here's maybe a case for him as a good cinematographer. He becomes Barry Sonnenfeld's cinematographer when Barry Sonnenfeld starts directing movies. So uh, he did Adam's Family Values, Get Shorty, and Men in Black as well. Wow. So that's a pretty awesome resume for a cinematographer. Anyway, just wanted to say. This was a nice-looking movie. <clears throat> uh, planes trains was that is
0: especially in ronald's 4k version that's oh i'm sure i i was
1: i was really only seeing i keep wanting to say i was only seeing three k's but that's really bad <laughs> so <laughs> you gotta say two or you know one uh, <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> Oh god.
1: well
0: i think that'll do it guys yeah i just killed it <laughs> yep you did it um yeah, movishmovie.com is the website. You can subscribe to the podcast through whichever podcast platform you prefer. You can listen to the episodes of our entire catalog right there on the site if you prefer to do that. Um, also, YouTube.com slash podcast if you want to watch the video version of the uh, of this episode. Or How, how far,
1: or far back future. does the video version go at this point, Ronald? How many episodes <laughs> have been videoed? That's a good question, man. Yeah, I know. We're getting up there. Yeah, I think it goes pretty far back, right? I don't know. It's a lot. Quite um, a bit. Yeah.
0: And uh, make sure if you do that, if you do go through the YouTube option, uh, that you subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell so you get those updates. Because they do put out uh, some videos in between episodes, like news if something news breaks or, you know, the little teasers here and there for um, upcoming topics. But uh, next week, we'll be doing John's Pick. For Lady Killers, the OG um, version, um, and going forward, I don't know. We'll go into the holidays. Christmas is coming up. I'm sure we'll have some fun things to discuss. And you know, maybe I'll eventually see Wakanda Forever. Who knows? Well, we'll
1: <laughs> one can only one can only hope. You thought it was called Wakanda for never and it's like forever, yeah? It's like
0: forever, or at least until Steve maybe it'll stay in theaters until yeah <laughs> it, it can get to a theater. Um, yeah, that kind of depressed me that I saw Black Adam before what kind of Forever. Like, oh, but it's on VOD. It's here. Yeah, I don't need right. to go. Out. That's why. It's like, that's ah, why. that's it, man. It's we have seventy
2: five full episodes on YouTube. See, that's a lot, there folks. Seventy five. Seventy five. Holy! You, you, you can
1: see my whole uh, COVID hair uh, ponytail phase progression.
0: progression. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, cool. Well, we'll see you guys next week. As always, you have made our day. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>